Hello there. Welcome back to another cross-country ski race report. It is still Hear Her Sports, and I'm still your host and producer, Elizabeth Emery. But these race reports are something slightly different. Thanks to the wonderful folks at U.S. Ski and Snowboard, Hear Her Sports is following the cross-country ski World Cup racing season and reporting back to you through these conversations with the U.S. female ski racers. In this episode, we're going to hear from one of the young athletes, Erin Bianco, who competed in her first World Cup ever in Oberhof, Germany. Erin grew up in very northern Minnesota, which is really cold and snowy, so it's no surprise that she began skiing at three years old. Erin raced in high school and then on the Nordic ski team at Colby College under the coach Tracy Cody. After graduating college, Erin moved to Bozeman, Montana to train with the Bridger Ski Foundation pro team with former U.S. ski team athlete and now coach Andy Newell. In addition to talking about earning her first World Cup start and what happened next, Erin and I talked about scary downhills, joining the U.S. ski team in Europe, pro skiing post-college, and following the lead of the other great women skiers on the U.S. national team. After talking to Erin, I like thinking about how representation is not just idolizing people from afar, but even matters right up close like Erin experienced watching the professionalism of her teammates on this trip. In the episode, Erin mentions Chris Grover. He is the program director for the U.S. cross-country ski team. And now, let's say hello to Erin. Well, hello, Erin. I am so excited about these race reports. I'm sure you've listened to them, or I hope you've listened to them, and they just have been so exciting for me, and I'm absolutely thrilled to have you here. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited. And how are you, and where are you? Get us I'm oriented. I'm good. Yeah, we're in Gome, Switzerland. Got over here last week after Oberhof, Germany. Um, and yeah, it's been great. Very sunny, fun courses. So my family's here. It's all, all good vibes. <laughs> That's awesome they came out to, to watch you. Yeah, it's been great. They've been skiing. Like today my mom came and we got a coffee together and she was four hours into a ski. So they're really <laughs> enjoying it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And it's nice that you have good weather. Yeah, it's been great. Even Oberhof, my coach Andy Newell back in the States, um, he said that he's always had rain in Oberhof and it was beautiful. It was cold, but it was snowy and the trees were gorgeous. So I was pretty lucky. So what was it like, the first World Cup? Yeah, it was kind of crazy. I mean, my travel schedule got all messed up because there was weather in Germany. So I actually got there like two days before my race, which seems like it would be enough but with jet lag and a new course whole new environment that was a bit overwhelming and if I'm honest it was like very stressful and not all just sunshine and rainbows um so (laughs) (laughs) definitely stressful but once I like got there got settled in and then my first workout actually was my pre-race the day before the sprint and honestly once I got skiing it was fine took a lot of melatonin to help me sleep that night but having my first race be a sprint it was very much just like fueled by adrenaline and just my first experience there which was really cool um but yeah it was kind of a wild journey getting there and yeah kind of surreal though once I got out on the race course (laughs) yeah well first I want to go back a little bit so like how did this all come about you know like who called you how much notice did you have yeah what happened after you got the call Yeah. So after U.S. Nationals, they had a meeting on Monday, which is 
like the discretionary committee and I was um, at work. I have a recruiting job on the side and I got a call from my coach, Andy Newell, and he was like, you've been chosen to go to period three. I'm not a huge points person, so I don't really look at the spreadsheet a lot. I knew I was having a good season, but I didn't know exactly where I was on the list. Um, So it was kind of a shock to me. And then I got the email from Chris Grover, like soon after that call, and you had to tell him yes or no by the next day. Um, And we would be leaving like (laughs) five days after that. And so, yeah, I had a lot to think about because there was one final weekend of domestic racing that could qualify you for the domestic World Cups coming up. And so I was like, do I go to Lake Placid and try to have another good distance race and sprint race? Or do I take this opportunity? And so I kind of have a quick turnaround trying to figure that out. But Andy helped me look at some points and we figured that I would be pretty much set for the sprint um, races for the domestic World Cups. And so I kind of gave up trying to make it in the distance. But yeah, all in all, it was worth it to come over here. Then it was just like, get my flights, figure out who my wax tech's going to be, <laughs> all of that kind of crazy stuff, and start packing. So you have to decide who your wax tech is and you bring that person? Usually you would bring a wax tech, but they had some US ski team members not racing at these World Cups I was at. So they had capacity to take me on under a US wax tech. So that was lucky for me. I got partnered up with Chris Hecker. He's usually Novi's wax tech and Novi is not racing in this period. So he had a little bit more free space. You mentioned that it was really stressful. Describe that a little bit more and, you know, how do you deal with stress and are you good with stress and yeah, what does that look like? Usually I'm pretty good with stress. I'm not good with transitions. I feel like I am totally a person who loves routine and I feel really lucky to really enjoy my BSF pro team back home and enjoy spending race weekends with them. So this was going to be a whole new environment I know the people here on the World Cup, but not extremely well like I do my teammates back home. So I knew it would be like new people, new environment, a lot of traveling, very unsure about how I was going to race. After being on the Super Tour, you know kind of where you're going to stack up. And I was just like, well, I have no idea what to expect. And I really hope I don't let anyone down, especially myself, just being thrown into this. And all with all the flights canceled, like it was, and I don't want to sound like, I don't know, privileged and like, oh, I can't get to Europe on the right time. But that was kind of a journey of just like, am I going to Europe? Am I not going? Like, I don't know if these flights are going to keep being canceled. So there's a lot of just like emotional distress, I would say. Yeah, once I got there, it took a couple days definitely to like feel relaxed and not stressed. And I would say there's just been like a baseline stress this whole time I've been here just because it's new things every time. And like tomorrow, for example, I'm being thrown into the relay because some of our top athletes are still being recovered from the tour. So I guess just like, yeah, being thrown into things I wasn't ready for, which is a great learning experience. But yeah. Overall, it's been, it's not all just like, oh, you go to the World Cup and it's this like amazing experience, which it has been, but there's definitely 
all those other parts that you don't think about and you're not really prepared for. Right. Well, that's sport. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. So I want to go back also to you said that when you got the call that you were being invited to the World Cup and you talked with your coach about whether you should go or not. What were the the positive reasons to go? Yeah. For me, it was mainly just like, this is such a cool opportunity and I feel like I don't want to let it slip. And I mean, I hope I am qualified for the domestic World Cup. So that's exciting. But I was like, you never know if you ever get this chance again to come back to Europe and scan the World Cup. So I was like, I was feeling good and ready for the travel. And so, yeah, basically, we we're just like, you should just go give it a try. It's a great experience. And you never know how you're going to do. I would only have missed like two races on Super Tour. So I was like, I'd rather go for two weeks of European World Cup and see what it's like. Yeah, it's, it, it's exciting. I mean, it, from yeah. the outside anyway, it's, it's yeah. exciting. And you did well. I mean, again, from the outside, it seems like you did well. What did you think? Yeah, I was honestly shocked. I was like telling my teammates the night before, just like, I don't want to get last because I really had <laughs> no idea where I would end up. And just with the jet lag and all of that, when I finished and all my teammates were like, oh, you're one second out of qualifying. I was like, whoa, I really was not prepared and thought back, obviously, to all the places I could have gained a second. Of course. Right. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I pushed as hard as I could. Yeah, it makes me excited and motivated to try to make heats next time. But yeah, I was pleasantly surprised with my place for sure. So overall, you've been there a week, you're going to be racing this weekend. What has your impression been? Like, looking back, I mean, looking back over a whole week? <laughs> yeah. What are you thinking? It's funny, because it's, I've been skiing for so long, it is similar to like the super tour schedule like training resting eating like it is the same day-to-day -day situation it's just at this higher level so everything feels very dialed just like having my own wax tech learning so much about my skis skiing on these harder courses being surrounded by people who like this is literally their whole life because a lot of people on the super tour have other jobs and other things like that but um yeah, I think that's the biggest difference. But honestly, it's very similar to what I've experienced on the college level and the super tour level of just the daily routines. What has your impression been of the stuff that is different? So, for example, the quality of your competitors and the courses and anything else that I might not know to yeah. ask you about. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, it's really cool. It's intimidating. And I don't know, it's just like a level of professionalism that when you're around it, you also want to be at that level. So I think it has made me a better skier just simply being around all of these people and seeing how they ski, seeing how they ski this part of the course or just little tips I get talking to Rosie, Jesse, Julia, Sophia, um, Sammy, all the people here with me. So that's a big thing, just like how quickly I feel myself changing into a different athlete, just simply being surrounded by the others. Um, and course-wise, like in Oberhof, that spring course honestly was a lot easier in my opinion than some of the domestic courses. Some of the races in the U.S., the sprint races, 
especially have been close to like four minutes, even 4.30 for the women, which is not what the World Cup is like. That race was probably three minutes for me um, in Germany. So honestly, I really liked the sprinting better over here because it's more of a pure sprint race. But this weekend in Gomes, there's some tricky downhills and some huge hills. So that'll be interesting. It definitely varies for sure. On the TV anyway, when I'm watching, the downhills look just completely frightening. And yeah. a lot of the skiers look, you know, out of control or at least on the edge of out of, out of control. Exactly. Uh, which is super interesting to see at that level. So what, from your experience, what is it actually like? Yeah, I mean, um, I skied on the East Coast for college skiing. So I'm used to ice and tricky corners. Corey Road, where I skied in Waterville, Maine every day was pretty icy. So I feel like I have that down. I also alpine ski, so that helps a bit. But honestly, like, I think it's, I mean, everyone's probably heard this, but it's just confidence and you just gotta like be relaxed on the downhill. But it's tricky when other people come in play and you're in a mass start and you're all (laughs) flying around a corner and you have no idea other people's skill levels. But it definitely doesn't get less scary, I think, as you get to this level for me at least right like tomorrow yeah (laughs) tomorrow I'm in a four by five k relay and there's like an extremely tricky corner right after the first uphill so I'm definitely like playing that over and over in my head this whole day that I hope I ski it well the U.S. women's team or actually the whole U.S. team is such a strong unit and you know I've talked to Jesse and the other athletes about the environment of the team. What was it like joining that group and sort of becoming part of them? Yeah, it's been fun because I feel like we've hopped into U.S. ski team camps like in Park City and Bend, and I skied on the Eastern Circuit with Ben Ogden and Sophia Laukley was there for a bit. So I know some of them on varying levels. Hopping in, like everyone's so inviting and welcoming and that's been really great. Everyone's obviously dialed and doing their own things, which I totally get. That's like a little different than the super tour vibe, I would say. Like, first of all, on the super tour, we're all staying in one house, like our whole BSF team. So we get to hang out a lot and do all that kind of thing. Whereas on the World Cup, we have meals together, which is super fun and a great time to get to know one another and hang out. But then it's, we all have our own hotel rooms. So you've become close to your roommate. And Right now I'm rooming with Jessie, which has been really fun to get to know her better. Everyone throughout the whole ski world, I feel like you know their names at least, but it's fun to finally talk and hang out more. So you recently graduated from college and you transitioned to being a full-time skier or mostly a full-time skier. You know, like when did you realize you wanted to be a pro skier and how has that been? Yeah, that was a hard decision, honestly. Um... First of all, I didn't really know what I wanted to do job-wise. I was a sociology major, and I had some ideas, but I didn't know like where I wanted to live or what I wanted to do. And being at a desk job or anything like that did not sound fun for me. I also felt like if I was going to try the next level of skiing, it would have to be that next year. Like People can take time off and come back, but that just wouldn't have been for me. So I was like, if I'm going to try it, this is the year to do it. And I also 
was very appreciative that college skiing did not burn me out and my coach I think had a big role in that but I felt like I still had a lot of energy to go to the next level which is not always the case for college athletes so I felt pretty lucky in that regard to still have energy and motivation to see what I could do the next year. So wrapping up what have your takeaways been and and maybe more importantly like what are you thinking about next not just for this weekend but you know what you're going to be able to you know bring back to the states. Yeah, I think I mean the North America World Cups are really exciting. So I hope so to So exciting. Yeah, I'm <laughs> really excited for that. So I made distance starts in Canmore and then just sprint starts in Minneapolis. So I hope to like see what I can do in a distance race on the World Cup. That'd be really exciting for me. And then hopefully make heats in one of these races. Mainly just like, I don't know, take back the like professionalism level that I see here and bring that back into my daily routines um, in Bozeman. So, And what happens for you probably, or what do you, what are sort of like the best scenario for you after the North American World Cups? The best scenario would be um, probably qualify for the last period of the World Cup. And I would do that by doing well at these World Cups in North America. So either making heats or having a really good distance race, that would be ideal for sure. But first, we have the Berkey right after the Minneapolis World Cup, so that oh, be you're gonna be too. you're gonna be doing that. Yes, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. It's such a fun race. I hope they get some more snow. Oh, I heard no yeah. snow. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of a bummer. It is a bummer. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I know that, as you said, this is new for you, so I really appreciate hearing about that. And thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Once again, another wonderful race report with one of the U.S. women cross-country ski racers. Thank you to Erin for her willingness to talk about her first World Cup race trip and to open up about the rainbows and not rainbows of the experience. If you haven't listened to the other race reports, I hope you get a chance to do so because they're all just so good. We've been getting the chance to meet U.S. athletes, learn details about racing and prep for racing. Listener response has been outstanding. I'd love to hear what you think as well. Email elizabeth at hearhersports.com. Stories like these keep fans interested and knowledgeable and ready to watch big events, knowing what's going on and who the characters are. Tell your friends about the race reports so they can be ready and excited about the Minnesota World Cup coming to Minneapolis on February 17th and 18th. Or tell your friends just because the U.S. ski racers are so awesome. On the website, there are ways to contact me, sign up for the newsletter, listen to all of the episodes, and to support the show by purchasing books on our bookshop page and through Buy Me a Coffee. If you are new to Hear Her Sports, a big welcome to you, and I hope you take a look at some of the other terrific episodes. There are lots of skiers, cyclists, runners, along with athletes from other sports you may not know much about. Every guest has so much to offer. Hear Her Sports is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. To find out more about what they offer, go to evergreenpodcast.com. Have a great week. Bye-bye.
Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!